Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Corey Hepler. I am your crazy monkey and host for this fantastic podcast. Alongside me, ever fantastic and ever writing, Jared Gifford, the mm-hmm. writer of Ronan Brothers. And Count- Darren Captain of the Stars. Darren Captain of the Stars. Count Gerald. Oh, wow. You're bringing out some obscure ones today. <laughs> and a plethora of others that he's um, made and are coming out this year. So if you have a chance, go to our website at www.crazymonkeyinkwithak.com. Check out Darum Numbers 1 through 3. It's a fantastic story. You don't want to miss it. And just... Pick it up. I know you'll enjoy it. It's all ages. You can read it to your kids. Give it to your kids for a birthday gift, Christmas, mm-hmm. maybe just because you love them and yeah, you want to yeah, see them happy. Or just because you're like uh, uh, cool action stories and you don't need a reason other than that. <laughs> exactly. Because who needs a reason to buy a comic other than the fact they want to escape reality? <laughs> That's why I do it. Yeah. Anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and uh, Corey's being all modest over here, but uh, this guy over here, he's also the fantastic writer creator of The Adventures of Taxi Cab Joe. Those of you who are fans of, uh, uh, you know, of, of sort of that uh, Roger Corman esque type action movie, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, it's definitely like that. It's, you know, it's, it's almost like the fifth element meets Blade Runner, but with. Tons more blood and a lot more nakedness. Exactly. And I believe that Sexy Zombie Hunters will be out in January. Yep. Following it mm-hmm. in February will be Tax Cab Joe number two. So yes. you've got a back-to-backer going on. Not yes. necessarily how it was supposed to go, but Not... still a good treat for the new year. Yeah. And... Oh, and, I, and I do believe, I do believe, and this is the good news for the people uh for the people knowing this, is because usually when this happens, the release date follows so- shortly after. But I do believe you're supposed to be getting some some test prints of your of your book. Yes, I am a both of them actually. Yeah, yes. and and, uh-huh. and, and, and then usually, right. and then yeah, usually once the test prints are done, then you can send in for a regular shipment. And I will definitely let people know when I get the test prints in, probably in a podcast, so that you can just start buying that shit up. Oh yeah. Um. Also, throughout this year, yes, I'm excited. Oh, yes. I know you are excited. Yes. But we've got so many cool projects going on right now. We've oh, got... Yeah. If, you know, if, if 2018 seemed a little slow to you, and I want to at least yeah. t- tell the, mm-hmm. the people listening in this one, if 2018 seemed a little slow to you, listen, 2019 is going to really make up for it. We've got a lot, and I mean a lot of stuff being released 2019. There's, uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. No, these things are going to be happening 2019. And, um, three things that I would like to see happen, just because, you know, I'm a fan, and I always have been, so if we could get Darum number four out, Darum number five, the graphic novel, and possibly, I know it's a stretch, but possibly Darum number six? Darum number six, if you could end on... This year on Darum number six and the graphic novel in your hand, how excited would you well, be? Well, I can at least guarantee people will have four and five and the graphic novel. Yes. Plus, plus there's several other projects that we have coming out this year. We always are reminding people of this. Exactly. But, but, but you and I are going to make sure that they're released. Um, 
um, we also will be, and, and, and you and I have been ta- discussing this, we mm-hmm. will be releasing our Sherlock Holmes graphic novel. That, that's, a no, have, that's a no-brainer. That's yeah, a no-doubt oh, right oh, there. Yeah. And you and I are going to have the awesome Craig DeBoard doing the um, doing the pencils and inks for that. Exactly. Yeah. Now, so, I'm... You know, I'm curious because I know you like I know yeah. you like book authors like mm-hmm. crazy, and you know I love book authors, but there's an yeah. author that offsets the genre of horror like no other, and he's done it in such a way that he's basically cemented himself. It's your, it's your favorite author, isn't it? Uh, yeah, as probably the greatest horror writer besides H.P. Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe. And that is? That I've ever read. I know, but you, I know yeah. I'm alluding like crazy. Oh, yeah, I know, no, I, 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 no, his thing is, I know exactly who you're talking about. I love his work as well. I grew up with it the same as you. Exactly. And, you know, they've, they've made several films of his attempts, some good, some not so good. Blackluster. <laughs> yeah. Albeit there was an attempt. Yeah. Sometimes he screwed up his own material. And you know what? That's okay because we forgive yes. the king of horror, Stephen King. King. I mean, and that's apropos in his name right there, King. You know, it's like because because I really is what he is. He's he's. But you know, the funny thing is, is a lot of people always think of him as just horror, but. I also want to give him credit where credit's due. It's the fact that I think he's just a great author all around. Because even though he's known for his horrors, he's actually done, and a lot of people know, he's actually done a really some really great sci-fi stories. He's the done, Dark Tower yeah. series was freaking yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, and, and well, I was just going to say, and he's done um, forays into fantasy. Mm-hmm, exactly. And just this year, I've gotten my 15-year-old son... He's mm-hmm. huge in the Stephen King. He is like freaking yeah. Lady Gaga over Stephen King. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, little uh, pop reference there. Thank you. Um, I got him Apt Pupil, which yeah. is an amazing one. Oh, I mean, I, I mean and it was funny is uh, that was one, and, and there was actually a lesser known movie that a lot of people don't know that was made about that. Yeah. And uh, interesting enough, because that was actually a, a novel I had read. Or yeah. I guess technically novelette, because it it's was actually one of, a short, short, yeah. one of his shorter stories. Mm-hmm. But for those that don't know, is there's this kid that he's like this really big, avid gun fan. Yeah. You, you know, uh, loves it and studies it and, and loves to study about war and the history of it. And it's like this big World War II nut. Yeah. Anyway, he has this girlfriend that's this, like, nymphomaniac. It's like always wanting to, you know, get touchy-feely with him all yeah. the time. Um, but he's not about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and in fact, she starts getting a little bit more estranged from her because he meets this guy, and this is why it's called Apt Pupil, is the fact that um, he meets this guy who um, at first just seems like this kind of keep-to-himself kind of strange old man. Mm-hmm. But he find, comes to find out that he's actually a Nazi survivor mm-hmm. from from World War II. And he actually was one of the guys who was over the the prisoner camps. Yeah, he was part mm-hmm. of the SS yeah. military, actually. Yeah, and... Uh, and and uh, and then basically he kind of takes this kid under his wing and kind of basically turns this. It's a slowly this kid turning into basically a next generation Nazi. And it's 
basically the kid's fascination yeah. which drives the book. Yeah. Because at first he was just like kind of looking into it and it was just kind of like, you know, some type of hobby. But as soon as he met this guy, it, it almost got creepily over-fascinated. Well, and then that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think the, at least what I gathered from it, the, um, the, the what, what the story is trying to tell is that basically it, it's, it's, it's a way of basically showing how, how evil doesn't just overtake you all at once. Mm-hmm. How evil slowly invites you in and then slowly starts to corrupt you. Yeah, you, you know, invites you in, gives you tea, and then the crumpets... Yeah. And slowly, uh, after a while, you don't even realize that you're having a full-on feast yeah. with the devil. You Yeah, you don't realize that you've turned into a bad person until it's already too late. And what's interesting is there's another book that I really, really enjoyed of his. Mm-hmm. It's scary on a psychological level more than it is an actual fear-fear level. Yeah. Um, his, you, a lot of his are like that. Yeah, if you've ever read The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Um, once. You're going to have to refresh my memory, though, because it's been a while. Um, there's this family who goes out camping, and the there's a little sister, and there's mm-hmm. a brother and a mom. And the brother and the mom are constantly fighting. They're constantly arguing. There's, like, never any peace. And during the campsite, when they're setting up, mm-hmm. the little girl takes this radio, and she listens to Tom Gordon who's the Red Sox um, announcer. Yeah. And what happens is she I goes off into one. the woods that's and gets... That's right, that she gets, she gets lost. Yeah, and then she gets lost. She keeps, she keeps this radio on because that's kind of like her uh, her way of staying sane in a way, uh-huh, yeah. in, in an insane situation. And what's interesting with that one is the, is the batteries slowly die. And all of a sudden yeah. the radio is just gone. And all she has to keep her safe is she hears Tom Gordon's voice in her head mm-hmm. as he's doing the plays and, like, reviewing all the commentary that he does. Yeah. And it's him comforting her through her mind and what she's learned and heard is what keeps her safe from all the evils and the wiles in the wild so that she can get back to her mom and brother. Yeah. And it's, it's super creepy. It's really cool. And I'd suggest it, and it's only like 330 pages long. Yeah. So it'd take you like two days to read. Oh, yeah. Another one, and they actually made a movie out of this one. Um, actually, won an Academy Award. Um, but um, the story itself is called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, um, but the, the movie, movie they just, just called, called the Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. But um, but but I like it because it's you know it's first off it's a different kind of story from Stephen from Stephen King yeah not not his typical horror stuff and uh, and then uh, what I like about it is it kind of gives you this 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 good idea of what what people have to go through when they're in prison because the whole thing is is like first few years he was there before he even gained himself a reputation mm-hmm. I mean he was he was uh, you know. Um, uh, he was getting attacked by people randomly. He was getting raped he by was get, the yeah, sisters. Yeah, three getting, sisters. Yeah, the three. Yeah, see, you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> he was doing that. Um, and what happened was the only the reason how he got respect was because he, the people started figuring out that he could actually do stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, I mean, the thing is, he was formerly uh, he 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 used to work he used to work at a bank. 
Yeah. And, and he'd so do he, their taxes and stuff. Yeah, so he knew how to do their taxes. He knew he knew how to do all these things to basically help them out. I mean, in fact, uh, you know, in fact, there were... He was teaching this one kid, Tommy, yeah. um, to do math and stuff and try to get his GED. Yeah. And what happened is the guards didn't like the fact that the inmates were starting to grow well, a relationship it was, it's towards different, them. It's different in the book than it is in the movie. Um, yeah. Uh, to to clarify, I'm gonna give a spoiler here no, for those good. who don't know. But uh, in the movie, what happened was they thought he was a threat, so they killed him. Yeah. The book is not like that. No, the um, bookie doesn't die. The bookie doesn't die. What happened was they did not uh, they did not like the fact that he uh, that he was letting him know about this guy who could have possibly helped him get free. Mm-hmm. But well, no, what they ended up doing in the book was they simply transferred him to another facility. Yeah, they made it so that he couldn't get close to him at all. Yeah. And but, so, but uh, but I don't know. But either way, I mean, yeah. But still, um, but the movie for the most part, it's still how, how do I put it? Is uh, I'd still say it's about um, eighty to ninety percent accurate. Yeah. Um, with a few parts changed up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Um, and uh, but but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty much still the same story. You know, Andy Dufresne. Um, basically, um, at first, everyone thinks that he's just kind of this, this creepy, this, this creepy little guy who'd murdered his wife. Yeah. Um, and come to find out that he's actually very intelligent, that he's actually, uh, you know, that, that, uh, um, that, that he actually did really love his wife. Yeah, and someone else framed him. Yeah, and yeah, basically he was just a guy who just ended up in a bad circumstance. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things that he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. In fact, the guy had murdered his wife. He had come in, the guy fled, and the police found him over his dead wife's body. Well, no, no, actually that's not not what happened, because what happened was this, um, and and it's just, once again, wrong time, wrong place, but uh, um, what happened was he was considering going in and shooting the guy that she was with. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't want to kill her, but he was wanting to shoot the guy that she oh, was with. Oh, that's right. Um, and in fact, he 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 had been drinking that night, and that didn't help. And then what happened was he brought a gun with him, mm-hmm. and he um, he was about he was about to go he, he was about to go in and do that, but then he changed his mind. Changed his mind, threw the gun into the river, drove home, and, and drove back home to go and sober up. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, sadly, what had happened was it was that exact night when his wife, when his when his wife and her lover ended up getting killed by that maniac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and sadly, because they had they had traced. They they had traced the plates to his car there, mm-hmm. um, I believe, or or wit- no no I don't think they could trace stuff back then, but there was something that happened where they were able to um, place his car at the scene of the crime, and um, and then um, unfortunately since he had thrown his only evidence to help him in the river, yeah. they couldn't find the gun. He kind of damned himself. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and then, but basically he ended up in, in prison. But what I like about it is, um, what it shows you was that even though he was in prison the whole time, he never let the prison mentality get to him. No. Because there's almost this prison mentality where basically you become, uh, like what Red said um, in, in the movie, become institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're there so long that you get so used to basically being told what to do. He said, um, 
I mean, one of the things he uh, was that uh, um, was um, he could he couldn't even piss without a say so. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think um, there's there's another book of his mm-hmm. that is rather interesting. In fact, the second mm-hmm. part to the um, to the two part movie it mm-hmm. is coming mm-hmm. out this year. Yep. Now, if you watch the miniseries with Tim Curry in the 90s, uh-huh. you'll understand what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It isn't just about some creepy-ass clown scaring kids. It's a lot more in-depth than just that, because when people mm-hmm. saw the movie, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just about a clown going around and terrorizing the town. No, it, it, it had a lot deeper meaning than that than a lot mm-hmm. of people understood. And if you read the book... But yeah. you and I have, uh-huh. you would understand the meaning. Now, mm-hmm. I know that you have a clear edification about mm-hmm. it because you you read that a I've, couple I've of actually, times. I've actually, um, I can actually say that because I've I've read the book, I've seen the old miniseries, but then mm-hmm. I mean, I've even seen the new movie, and and I'll even give the, at least the new movie uh, the credit because here's the whole thing: it is it's supposed to be one of a two-parter? Mm-hmm. So I understand why they did it the way they did it. Um, the whole story hasn't been told yet, so exactly. it's just so, when they were so, kids. so they're still leaving some stuff that's a mystery because they want that to be a revelation in the second movie. Yeah. So I totally understand why they held back on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I'll admit I'm I'm a little bit nostalgic for the miniseries, but I grew up on that as you well, did. Yeah, and it was Tim but, Curry for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, come yeah. On, he's Pennywise. But, but you, you know, I've got to hand it to the movie makers, and you know, and I was skeptical going in. I, I, I can tell you, this like it's one of those movies that actually defied my expectations because I was going in wanting to hate it. I was wanting mm-hmm. to hate it because I, as as you had, I had grown up on the miniseries, and I was like, no, that's that's my it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and but I watched it, and I was like. You know, they actually did a good job. And they did. They yeah. even got an actor to basically, in a way, homage what Tim Curry had done. Because the yeah. actor who plays Pennywise is actually very good at it. Oh, yeah. Well, and, I mean, and, him, and, and I don't think the makeup looks creepy. And, and, um, and this is no <laughs> disrespect to Tim Curry whatsoever. Yeah. But they actually managed to find a guy that was even creepier than Tim Curry. Exactly. And if you've seen the makeup off of the guy that plays Pennywise, it's yeah. just like, oh my gosh, put yeah. the makeup on. You're less yeah. creepy with the makeup on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I got to at least give the new movie that. Uh, and like I said, um, as far as the stuff that's missing, um, you know, I could hate on it for that, but mm. I understand why. Yeah. Um, if I were the director, I'd want to do the same thing. I'd want to be like, no, I want to hold a little bit stuff back for the next movie because I want there to be a hook for people to watch the next movie. In fact, if you want to this year, you yeah. and I can go watch the second part to it and we'll do a podcast on it. You're right, people. You're hearing it now. <laughs> we'll, we're going to do a review on that movie. Nice. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, there was another miniseries that came out, I believe, in the 2000s or the 90s. It was called Kingdom Hospital. It was a miniseries just mm. like it by Stephen King, and it was about a haunted psychiatric hospital. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. It was really creepy. Yeah. Because he had delved into kind of like the paranormal aspect of it. Yeah. He'd gone away from like the ultra scary and the psychological from Carrie and Firestarter, and he tackled the psychological. Yeah, um, he was doing something that was um, um, a lot more a la, um, 
what John Carpenter did with the fog. Exactly. It and was it was it was less um it was less ooh scary monster or um or or um or basically uh you know um psychological yeah 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 or, or or how would i put it like like um just kind of like the well because it is psychological in a way but it's more how to put it more more suspenseful that's yeah. that's yeah, what exactly. i was looking for um but no but this this was more like i said like the fog where it was just you had that looming sense of dread mm-hmm. the whole time in fact if you watch the fog by John Carpenter, and then you watch The Mist by Stephen King, you can see so, a lot of similarities between the two movies. Well, and I wouldn't, well, and, and, and well, and, and, well, because, well, the, the Mist comes from Stephen King's book. Exactly. Or, uh, of the same name. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that Stephen King actually got the idea from John Carpenter's The Fog. He did, in fact, he wanted to homage The Fog because he's a huge lover of John Carpenter. Yeah. So I, yeah. I was like, I was like, dude, hell, why not yeah. take from a great and make it even better? No, it's so funny. Is, <laughs> one thing I, I want to say is because what's so funny is because uh, Stephen King's like half and half with his with his stuff. Because like, I know really is. I, I know that. Well, no, I'm, what I'm saying is um, with, with his movies. I mean, because like what's funny is he loves half his movies and then he hates half his movies. But I understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, he was disappointed with so many different interpretations. I, I know that he hated what they did with Carrie. Oh, he was yeah. he was disgusted because how they made it and how he had envisioned it, yeah. it was like complete like the opposite side of the coin. It was like this was so not what I was going for, and it's it veers so much off of what the book has in it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's it, someone had written his script mm-hmm. and then just slapped his name on it and then gave him credit, yeah. which I find kind of rude. Yeah, because if Stephen King had gotten a whole of the screenplay and done it himself, you know for a fact Carrie would have been like yeah. a trillion times better. But I wanted to use that opportunity <laughs> to, to, to segue into another thing I was going to talk about with Stephen King was mm-hmm. uh, was when he went and wrote, and not only wrote, but he also directed the movie Maximum Overdrive. Because mm-hmm. um, Stephen King at the time, and, and I love it, he said this, he said, well, if anybody's going to screw up my stuff, I might as well do it. And he screwed it up on purpose. It was intentional. The only yeah. thing is a lot of people were saying like, that movie's got so many freaking plot holes in it, but that was on purpose. Stephen King wanted to make a movie that was messed up on purpose. Exactly. That was his full intention. <laughs> now, I remember back in the day, I had read a book by Stephen King called Insomnia. Yes. And I love, to this day, that's my favorite book. That's that's actually a good one. No, I remember you even recommending it to me back in high school. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, it's funny. It's about a guy mm-hmm. loses his wife, and then he kind of loses it. He starts losing sleep gradually, kind of like thinner, yeah. where he starts losing weight. Th- um, yeah, but in gradually. this case, but in this case, it's his sleep. Yeah, and after a while, he just he can't sleep like at all, and so he starts hallucinating and seeing these doctors that are. That aren't there, and he just like it just goes on a while. He basically goes into his own world and and slowly loses his mind. Exactly, and it's such an interesting way of how he does it. It's a long book, but holy balls, is it amazing! Yeah, I love Insomnia. At the very end, it's just like you you want to look at Stephen King and be like, I understand why he wrote this, 
But you're a sick man. No, no, we can't bring up Stephen King without bringing up this great collaboration that happened between two great horror giants, Stephen King being one of them. And then the other one... Peter Straub? No. George Romero, the guy who who did, as we all know, um, you, you know... Um, Night of the Living Dead, Dead. <laughs> also Dawn of the Dead, Dawn Day of the, of the Dead, Dead. Yep. the Of the Dead guy. George exactly. Romero are Of the Dead guy. Anyway, for those who don't know, and and, and, and I think you and I are both in the know mm-hmm. on this one, yeah. those two great horror giants collaborated on um, on not only, it, it was an effort that collaborated in several things. It was, they came up with a comic book for it, mm-hmm. and, then they, and then they also, uh, but the film is what people remember, Creepshow. Creep show was so interesting because not only was it a fantastic movie, mm-hmm. the comics made it that much more entertaining. Oh yeah, I said well, there, was a, there was a comic tie-in, and the comic tie-in for those who don't know, and you don't, you don't, I know this guy because he drew a lot of great horror as well. Mm-hmm. The comic was drawn by Bernie Wrightson. See, and if you're any shape, way, or whatever familiar with Bernie and the stuff he had accomplished way before that. Because he was an accomplished comic writer way oh, before yeah. he had even tackled that. Oh, yeah. Well, he'd, he'd done a he was graphic like, novel version of Frankenstein, and, and it just looked phenomenal. And he was actually sought out at the time that he had... Um, agreed to do this with Stephen King. Yeah. And he decided, okay, I'm going to push these offers to the side because yeah. this is Stephen freaking King. So, no, it's not just Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King and George Romero. The exactly. whole thing is, is that, no, and it's like, it's, it's not, not just one John- great guy coming. I mean, come on. This is, this is not, this is not like, this is be like, you know, you, 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 you know, it, it's great to do. Uh, like say it's back in the day, and mm-hmm. this is and this is like when they were in their heyday. But basically, this is like you know, it's great doing a movie with George Lucas. It's great doing a movie with Steven Spielberg. This is if both of them came to you and said, "Hey, we're doing a movie together. You want to be in it?" Exactly. I mean, this is how the guys must have felt when when they when they did Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're like, "What? You two giants are joining together? Joining forces?" Sure. Yeah, and it's the same thing. That that the equivalent of that is that that the horror equivalent was what happened with Stephen King and George Romero. You had two horror giants joining forces for this one movie, one book that will have ever changed my life and how I see horror. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. Because I haven't read a creepier book yeah. since. Yeah. Children of the Corn. Oh yes! Holy crap! We're not even talking about the movies, okay? That whole oh, movie God. Era then, no, was the, just the, like the, went the movie off. went off on tangents. Now the first movie was was I guess loosely based on the book. Yeah, it was. Um, it it kind of touched on it. But uh, but but I do know. Um, but I do know that yes, yes. No, I mean no. The book itself is freaking creepy. Oh. Come on, a whole a whole village of religious fanatical children who kill adults. Based on what this creepy corn god tells them. Exactly, because corn gods. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, but what I'm saying is, no, I mean, that was creepy in and of itself. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it, uh, but I know where Stephen King got the idea because it comes. Feel the dreams? <laughs> okay, JK. <laughs> no, no, no. For those who want an intelligent response, 
No, he actually got the idea from the village of the damned. I know. I know that I'm <laughs> not dumb. I know you're not dumb. <laughs> you just pretend to be. Except a lot. Anyway. Uh, but no, it came from the Village of the Damned, which Stephen King was a huge fan of. Village of the Damned scared the crap out of me. Oh yeah, <clears throat> come on, creepy, creepy blonde children with with mind powers and glowing eyes. That that be creepy to anybody. I mean, I, yeah, I'm frick, the whole town I, blacks out, and then as soon as I see, I see a kid like that coming at me, being like, being like, you must go. I drop kick the sucker. Get the hell out of my face, creepy. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing behind it was the whole town just blacked out. Yeah, and then when everybody when everybody, the, when everybody woke, up, woke up, all the women were pregnant. All the women were pregnant, and I was like, "Did a huge, massive orgy just happen? Like, what?" Well, well, the, the, yeah, the, the, the impression I know, I know. Yeah, the, the impression but... you're supposed to get is that basically, while everything was blacked out, basically. Um, an evil spirit permeated the whole town mm -hmm. and basically made the women pregnant. Hence why all the kids turned out to be evil. One of my favorite actresses yeah. back in the day was in it, Kirstie Alley. Yeah, and in fact, for those that don't know, <clears throat> what you're referring to is the remake of Village of the Dam because there was actually an original which was done in the early 1960s. I yeah. can't remember the exact year. Please forgive me for that. But I believe I it was around... Either. 61, 62. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was talking about the 80s one. Yeah, I know. And you're, you're, no, um, that was actually 91. I remember the was exact it, year. On was the, it 91? 91. And it also had another one of my favorite actors, Christopher Reeve, in it. That's before right. he actually was crippled. <clears throat> this was when he was. Uh, uh, this was when he was still in his prime, and uh, his Optimus Prime. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean it was still it was still really great. To tell you the truth, I I, I loved it, and, and you know. Um, and it's one of the more underscored performances from Christopher Reeve. And he did a really good uh, job. Oh, yeah. I and and, and it's like, so many people remember him as Superman. And while that was a good role for him. It was. Um, I, I wish they would remember the other stuff that he's done outside of Superman. And mm -hmm. Village of the Damned is one of them. Um, if, um, if, if you can remember for anything other than Superman, I would say please remember for his performance in Village of the Damned. It was great. Now, I have a question for you. Yeah. If you had to pick... Five books by Stephen King mm -hmm. that you could recommend to someone who say is getting started into reading Stephen King. What five yeah. books would you recommend to him? Well, I'm going <coughs> to recommend the ones that are among my personal favorites. Okay. Um, probably some of the stuff that helped get me into Stephen King. I can tell you. I can tell you first. Um, well, now I'm a big fan of his horror stuff now. Mm -hmm. But hilariously enough, when I was a kid. I didn't like his horror stuff, so I veered away from it. So I actually read more of his more <clears throat> his stuff that's like more lesser known. Um, one I would recommend, and they actually made a movie out of this one too, which is not a horror. He wrote it under the pseudonym Richard Bachman. You talking about the Running Man? The Running Man. Yeah, yeah. I love the Running Man. That yeah. was awesome. That that would be that would be something I'd recommend. And and for those that don't know, um, the premise is the same, but the way the guy gets into prison and the friends he makes is different. Yeah. But the but the premise is the same in the fact that you have this game show where basically you're promised your freedom if you um if you win this game show. Mm-hmm. Um That's and impossible to win. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's one of those things big well, if you lose you die. Yeah. That's the whole premise. If you lose you die, but if you win, you're promised like you're promised your freedom. You're promised a vacation. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're promised like all this wondrous stuff. 
But what they don't know is it's all a lie. It's a sham. Yeah. The the whole thing is is that nobody's supposed to get out alive. Exactly. It's set up so that everybody's supposed to die. There's no way anybody could win. But uh, what happens is, and and the movie veers away from the book in this. What uh, the original guy in the book, he he joins up because what happens is um, his 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 wife and his his wife and his kid is are basically are basically taken in you know they're basically said to be like government spies or something yeah and he he goes into the game show to earn their freedom uh-huh um Suppose, that's why, supposedly yeah yeah but that's why he's in it the movie version and and it's okay I, I'm, I'm fine with them changing this but in the movie version um, um actually no what he did is he, no what it was, Jared, because I, I read that. I read The, the Running Man. Uh, <clears throat> and? Okay. All right, so I read The Running Man, and no, what it was was it was a competition that if you could survive it, yes. you could get whatever you wanted. Yes, His that's wife what I just was said. dying from cancer. That's what it was. And yeah, that's what it had, was. he competed in order to save her life. That's what it was. Okay, no, I, I just forgot one one detail, and I'm <clears throat> sorry. I apologize for that. Any hooch. Um, but yes, but I do remember he had done it. He had done it for his wife and his kid, and that's where the book was was different. But the movie was different. But I, like I said, I, I still okay with it. Uh, to me, it wasn't too much of a difference. But the well, it was a difference. But I still liked it. It didn't bother me. Yeah. Um, in the movie, what happened was was that uh, was that uh, um, the main character was named Richards, and um, and he um, he had um, um, he was a, he he was working for the military, and basically what happened was um, he was told to break up a riot that was in the middle of the city. Anyway, what happens is he goes to check it out, and when he goes to see, is that it's not a riot; it's just basically a bunch of homeless people trying to scrounge for food. And, and he's the supposed police, to kill them. And the, and the police want him to get rid of them all. You know, the government, the government basically said, kill them all. And and then uh, and then Richards basically basically says no I'm not going to go and kill a bunch of innocent civilians mm-hmm. um, and that's where he gets into and trouble. And so what, no, what happens is basically superiors basically tell them to take him down and mm-hmm. do it anyway. Yeah. And then basically what happens is is that they basically knock him out, kill all the civilians, and then blame it on him. Yeah. And then basically say that he went rogue and killed them all. Yeah. Um. And, uh, it was basically a big old lie to get him into the game. Yeah, anyway. well, 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 it was a big old lie to basically get him put into prison. Yeah. Um, anyway, what happens is uh, no, no. Um, the game show thing comes in later. What happens is while he's in prison, he ends up meeting a couple of guys who help. Who they they could devise a scenario to help him bust out. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up joining up with this resistance group. Um, anyway, what happens is is that um, he's trying to get out of the country. But he finds out that uh, that um, but he ends up getting caught at the airport, mm-hmm. and uh, and then basically what happens is the um, when the people are looking for new contestants because they feel like the Running Man show is losing its luster, mm-hmm. so they basically put him on the show because they think that he'd be like a great draw, you know, the butcher of Bakersfield as they called him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, but but the whole premise of the show is still the same as the fact that. He's promised his freedom and all this wondrous wealth and money and a trip to a private island if he basically competes in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's all just a sham to basically just kill a bunch of people, you know, for fun. 
Yeah. Um, and not all of that, that, that would be my, that would be my number five recommendation. Okay. Uh, and I'm not really necessarily doing them in number of importance because I love these all. They're good. Um, my number four recommendation for Stephen King. Um, and once again, I know, I know it's a comic book, but he had a heavy hand in it, and I'm still giving him credit for this, is, um, once again, I would refer back to the Creep Show mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. A lot of those <coughs> scenarios were based on stories that he had written. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a number four would be Creep Show. It was another way I got into Stephen King. Yeah. Um, number three... And I got to see the movie of this first, but then I went back and read the book and still loved it as well. I'd have to say the movie adaptation is actually pretty freaking accurate. Yeah. One of the few rares. But, and you're going to love this. You talking uh, about Misery? Yep. Yep. That was, that was, that would be, that would be my next one. <laughs> Misery. And, and, and I like it because here's the thing. It's like, and, and, and you and I know this, I mean. We haven't experienced it to the extent that this poor guy did, and I hope to God we never do. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, sometimes you get a few creepy people who follow you, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're a writer, and especially if they love your stuff. Yeah. You know, they love your stuff. Yeah, you you, know, you can have you have creepers coming out of the woodwork and basically be like, "Oh, I love your stuff. Stay with me. Don't ever leave, or I'll kill you." <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, but uh, for those that don't know, um, and, I, and I think we might have gone over this before, because I believe we'd even use this in our book recommendations. Mm -hmm. But uh, but for those who maybe have not heard that episode, um, misery is the story of this author, and what happens is he's going. He's supposed to be going to a book signing, mm -hmm. and what happens is um, while he's in the middle of the small town, he ends up uh, slipping on the road. And flipping over, and then uh, he ends up getting taken in by this woman who's like this obsessed fan of his. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and 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 at first, while it seems like she's there to take care of him and help him out and get him better, mm -hmm. what happens is he slowly starts to see how obsessed she is. Because what happens is she'll read the books, and it's like she gets into them like the real people, mm -hmm. and she gets like violently pissed off. Every single time, like, something happens to a character that she doesn't want to happen. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, she starts getting just just straight abusive with him mm -hmm. when that stuff happens. Um, and, and what I like about Misery is it's, it's a kind of a different take on, on, on the horror genre and the fact that it's, it's really about obsession. Mm -hmm. Another one I'd liken it to, and it's just as good... And, and and I believe you might have seen this this anime as well, but uh, but you remember um, what was it um, what was I'm trying to remember what was the name of the one about the the obsessed the obsessed fan who goes after that that one pop singer. Oh, Perfect lady. Blue. Thank you, thank you. We were I just talking about that just yeah, last we week because we were looking at the the That's graphic right, novel. Perfect Blue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Perfect Blue. Um, I would liken I would like a misery to that. Well, that was that, creepy. Oh yeah, but what I like about it is it shows it shows you that to what depths obsession can send you. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, um, and then um, my third. Let's see, my number two recommendation for Stephen King for anybody who's getting into it is um, is the body. 
Um, that was another one I got into. And for those that don't know, The Body, they made a movie adaptation. They called it Stand By Me. Mm -hmm. And what that's about is it's loosely based on Stephen King's own childhood. Um, and uh, what happens is that uh, him and his buddies, um, they, um, they... You know, they're basically these kids, and they kind of get into trouble every now and again. And what happens is uh, they find out about this this kid of theirs who was, who was in the same class as them. Mm -hmm. um, and he had been hit by a train. Yeah. But nobody had found his body. And they figured that they could get their, their you know, they could get famous and get their pictures in the paper if they, um, if they found the kid's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but, but, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that happened and, and, and it just, it, you know, and then things get kind of, you know, there's some dangerous situations that happens and mm -hmm. there's some, um, but what it really is, what it comes down to, the core of it is not about them even going to find that buddy. What, what the core of it is, is it's a coming of age story. It really is. It's, it's really about going from that point from when you're a kid to when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that whole passage into adulthood. Um, so uh, that's what I would recommend for that one. And then um, my very <clears throat> last Stephen King recommendation. Um, man, I better make this one a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically they could all be, you know. Well, so. the problem is, is like Stephen King's one of those guys that, because like, what do you choose? He's got so many great things. Exactly. And so I know people are like, you missed this, you missed that, you missed this other thing. Yes, I realize that, but there's just too many and I have to pick one. Mm -hmm. um, so if we're going to go to the one uh, uh, that I would have picked, one of the ones that I enjoyed the most from Stephen King, mm -hmm. um... That would probably have to be Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot was awesome. Uh, well, and there was this period, and you remember this. Um, it was, because um, I mean, I was kind of getting into the stuff before he died, but like after my dad died, I got really obsessed with immortality. So I got, so I, I really got into like vampire stuff, and I really got into like things like Highlander. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, um, and, and one of the things I actually would read during that period, because I had heard that Salem's Lot was a vampire story, was, was that movie. Or not, well, not just the movie, but the book, I mm -hmm. mean, but that book. Because I'd read the book back in high school, and then I'd watched the movie shortly afterwards. That's true. Um, I'll tell you this. I recommend the, 80, I, I recommend the 81 version um, from, Toby, from the director Toby Hooper. Um, over the early 2000s remake that they did with Rob Lowe. Yeah, don't do, don't do that. Don't well, do that. Well, because those some things like, I'll at least give the Rob Lowe version this, is that it was good up until about the first, uh, with the first half of it, but then mm -hmm. what happens was, you get into the second half, it's like, it kind of accurately flows along that until you get to the second half, then you get into the second half and then it almost feels like then it turns into Rob Lowe Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Buffy it's, the Vampire Slayer with Rob Lowe as the as, as Buffy. The, uh, yeah. But, uh, but the the 81 version, even though it's not 100% accurate, I still think it's a little bit better because it's got the, the creepy, eerie feeling right. Yeah, it's and, got that gothic feel that every yeah, vampire it, movie's supposed to have. Yeah, exactly. It feels like a <laughs> vampire movie. Yeah. Whereas, like, as I said, whereas, like, the, 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 the remake that they did in the early 2000s, it felt more like, it was like, first half was, was ooh, creepy, and then second half was Rob Lowe, Vampire Hunter. 
it was horrible. Yes, but the but the, but overall, the book the book is the best. Uh, just go and go and read that. And it's like, no, if you want a great classic vampire story, read Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I guess uh, what about your top five Stephen King recommendations? My top five, I gotta go. Um, number five, I gotta go with Tommyknockers. Yes, because <laughs> Tommyknockers just it was just creepy. Yes. It, it, it wasn't even scary. It was just, it, it got that creep factor just right. Oh, uh, well, yeah, because uh, if, if I remember right from both the book and the movie, you didn't actually really get to see what was out there. No. Nope. You, just, you just knew it was out there. Mm-hmm. And it was supposedly about aliens that were invading Earth. You no. didn't get to see the aliens, and the people no. didn't really get to see what it was. They got to see the pods that they crashed in, and that's about it. But yeah. the creep factor... Was the fact that the evil was there, but you couldn't see it? No, oh, yeah, it was. Um, it was uh, almost kind of reminded me, um, you know, of uh, I mean, some of the some of the great horror movies, like 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 The Haunting. You know, The Haunting. You never actually got to see what was in that house. You just knew it because of the eerie feeling it gave you, and some of the strange noises that would permeate around the house. Yeah, just just like yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, um, number four, mm-hmm. I would have to say Night Shift. Oh, yes. And and that's actually a lesser-known one, too. Um, because that's, that's the thing. It's like, you get into Stephen King sessions, that doesn't actually get brought up a lot. Uh, brought up a lot. But no, mm-hmm. I have to agree. Night Shift is actually a good one. Exactly. Um, my top three pick is obviously going to be Insomnia. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and you've already gone over the plot <laughs> on that one, so I don't think I have to be reminded. No. Um... But, but, wait, but but before you get on that one, for those who don't know, why don't you give them a refresher on what Night Shift's about real quick? Um, Night Shift is about a guy who he has to clean, I believe it's a church. Yeah. He has to clean a church, and he, he, he starts seeing, like, eerie, weird shit happen within mm. the church. And he gets kind of creeped out, and he's like, well, maybe it's just the wind, or maybe it's just whatever... So he keeps on cleaning because, you know, I'm a janitor I'm here at night. I yeah. hate my job. <laughs> <laughs> but then he starts hearing voices and he starts actually seeing things yeah. move and like ghosts and stuff like that. And Night Shift mm-hmm. is a very paranormal type of book. Yeah. And I could, I've read that book twice. Oh, yeah. Once because it scared the piss out of me. And the other... And the second time to probably retain what you'd read. Exactly, because I read it the first time, and then right after that, my brother's like, hey, let's watch The Exorcist. <laughs> because why not scare your brother even more, right? He's already yeah. shit his pants. He's already shit his pants <laughs> for this book. Hey, let's scare him with another movie. And then while we're at it, why don't I come in with a knife and a mask and then see if you don't piss you bad? Exactly. <laughs> so, and then I read it again because I was just like, okay, I really liked that story. Yeah. So I read it again and I was like, oh, that's why I shit my pants. <laughs> so it's very, very cool. It's a very got like a, yeah. it's a, it's a mystery type horror suspense theme to it. And it's really, really cool. Yeah. So if you get, have a chance to look up Night Shift, just do it. It's yes. freaking awesome. Okay, and then and you said and you also mentioned insomnia. Insomnia. Uh, yeah, and the, and they so you've already covered that one, so yes. you don't you, say you don't have to go over that one. Okay, and so I guess we're down to your number two pick. Yes, number two pick would be Firestarter. All right, and then 
Once again, I'm familiar with Firestarter, <coughs> you're familiar with Firestarter, but once again, a brief synopsis to those who maybe haven't read it. Um, Firestarter is about a young girl. She's around eight. <laughs> and what happens is she, she's she's a very angry person. Yeah. She she bottles up her emotions and then it just kind of it explodes, it ignites, just yeah. like fire. Yeah. And so she finds out that she can light little fires with her anger. Yeah. Okay, she first starts out with, like, paper and then gradually goes on to, like, trash cans and full of paper and shit like that. And eventually her mom gets worried about her, and so she takes her to a psychiatrist's office and yeah. try to figure out what the hell's wrong with her. And then eventually she, like, freaking engulfs the whole house mm -hmm. with flames. And yeah. it's just really, really interesting. And the thing I really liked about the movie is... They got an actress that not only later on became probably one of the hottest actresses I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But at the Drew time... Barrymore. At the time, she had just gotten yeah. off of doing E.T. Yeah. And so she had already had some type of fame. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's so funny is, 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 how, is how she's uh, maintained good looks throughout the years. Because, like, as a kid, she was this cute little kid. Mm -hmm. The kind of adorable little girl that you just, like, you wanted as a kid's sister. Exactly. Um, but then when she grew up into a woman, man, did she grow up into a woman. Oh, Because it was yeah. like, because, I mean, uh, you're, we're of this generation. So you would know, I would know. Like, to guys our age, Drew Barrymore was freaking hot. Oh, yeah. And so Firestarter would be my number two pick because yeah. not only was it such a fantastic read, but the movie was gorgeous. The yeah. movie was so awesome. Oh, yes. I loved the movie. Okay, uh, what about... And then your number one Stephen King pick, at least for this list, so those people don't feel like... Because, listen, Corey and I both know this. We know we're going to miss out stuff, but Stephen King has so many great things, and we have to pick one. Exactly. And one that I really, really liked was Hearts of Atlantis. That's my number one pick. Oh, nice. And I know, and I like it. It's another one of those another one of those obscure ones that uh, not a lot of people would think. It's like, what? What? What, you mean you're not picking this one? <laughs> Hearts of what? Oh, fuck you. You need to pick Carrie, because yeah. Carrie was the first one. Because screw you. <clears throat> what about The Shining, you fuck? Freaking asshole. You forgot Cujo. Okay, and you forgot Rose Matter. And Dolores <laughs> Claiborne. I know. <laughs> Assholes. Anyway, but the, the reason I pick Hearts of, Atlantis. Hearts of Atlantis is because not only does it delve into a decade that changed the world yeah. between war and presidential elections and what was going on with the Woodstock movement and the hippies yeah. and stuff like that, it it changed, that decade changed how we saw so much and how we viewed information and how we got so much well, and stuff. even how we absorb popular entertainment exactly. when you look at it. Because look, look at the sort of sea change that happened. Was you had popular entertainment that happened before the, before the late 60s and early 70s. Exactly. And then you had... Popular entertainment afterwards. Mm -hmm. the, even even what we consider entertainment now is much different than what it was back then. And if you look at the 60s and what it brought out, I mean, 
You, you freaking had Ronald Reagan in the seat, for Christ's sake. Yeah. You had Nam going on. Yeah, and... Well, and not only that, but yeah, you see uh, that... Um, and then there's so many assassinations that happened in the 60s. I mean... JFK. J, J, yeah, J, yeah, John F. Kennedy was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother Robert ended up getting killed. <laughs> yeah, a couple um, years afterwards. And then uh, Martin Luther King was killed within that decade. Exactly. That was when the Manson murders happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also... Um, uh, the killing of the peacekeepers is how some people view it, because... Through that whole decade, that was, there were peacekeepers. There were I, people that I, yeah. were cheering for peace. John yeah. Lennon for crying out loud. Well, I like what my mom. You know? I like what my mom had said, and um, and 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 I think she made a good point about this. She said there was so much that happened in that one decade. Mm-hmm. It's, she said. It's, she said it's no wonder that it's no wonder that uh, her her generation has 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 kind of a distorted view of things because of the fact that they had so much crap going on, and then. And then they had the Vietnam War on top of it all. Yeah, it, it, it's not enough that the 60s were just a fucking shamble of just atrocities. No, let's yeah. throw on a war yeah. that lasted for years. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't even needed. I, that's my opinion. You, oh, you, no, you no, can no, hate me if you want, but I feel yeah. Nam wasn't needed. Yeah, this whole thing. Um, you can go ahead and disagree with us on this uh, on this whole thing and, and, and hate on us if you want to. But uh, but but to be to be clear, Corey and I very much support the troops, and very much and very much support the the the, the guys in our the guys and the girls in our military. And, and we yeah. appreciate the people yeah. that went to yeah. fight in the yeah. Nam and Viet Cong War. Yeah. I appreciate the hell out of yeah, those guys. But, you know. but but as far as the war itself, Corey and I. Do not agree with the reasons behind that war and why we went into that war. That was exactly. a war we didn't agree with. So that's to be clear. We support the soldiers, but we do not support that war. Exactly. So my number one pick would be Hearts of Atlantis because mm. it culminated so much within yeah. that decade within just one book. It's just like, I wish he would have done it in Hearts of Atlantis Part 2 because there was just so much that he put in there, but yeah. yet so much that he left out Yeah, that you're just like, you missed well, so it's good. much. No, no, and, and it was good to, <laughs> once again, it was good to see Stephen King tackle something that maybe was not horror again. And I like that mm-hmm. because because you, you, know, you notice that a lot of the stuff that ended up in our list were stuff that were non-horror. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of his horror stuff in there, but I mean, hell... You you picked Hearts of Atlantis. Hell, I picked the body, and that wasn't a horror story. That was a coming of age story. Exactly. So, <laughs> when it comes to Stephen King, he's so multifaceted in how he writes and what he writes about. Mm-hmm. That is why he is the king of horror. And you know, since we've already we've already recommended a good amount of novels, so I say we forego doing novels. But let us give a good old. Uh, comic book recommendation before we leave. That sounds amazing. Um, you hit it up this time, then I'll do it you next know, time. And I'm, I'm going to go back to this because it was funny. You and I mentioned this twice already in this podcast, but I'm already going to do this. Such a great comic book. Please pick it up if you can find it. Get get the um, get the Creep Show comic book. Mm-hmm. It you know it's a it's a full on graphic novel interpretation of the movie. It's really awesome. Check it out. Um, and it, I mean, come on! It's it's illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. If that's not enough of a reason to get the comic book, well, then you need to slap yourself. Exactly. 
and uh, you, my friend? Uh, this was actually, I think, four or five graphic novels that had to be done to get the book correct. Yeah. But the stand graphic novels of mm. Stephen King... Yes, the ones that were done over at Marvel. Exactly. Uh, and for those that don't know, Marvel actually did a deal with Stephen King where they actually adapted several of his books into graphic novels. They, I believe they even adapted the entire Dark Tower series yes, as well. Yes, they did, and that one was amazing as well. Yeah. So I would say the graphic novel set of The Stand, because not only is the art mm -hmm. just fucking gorgeous, just bang every book. <laughs> not going to, but you know, there might, but, be, some, but you, but you could. There might be some sticky pages. <laughs> um, but just the art and the fact that they kept with the book yes. so well and so finitely, yes. it's almost like you can stick all those graphic novels together and read it as a picture book. Oh yeah, exactly. But what I love, yeah, what I love about that, but it still <laughs> said captures the essence, and I love it because I mean, there's like we kept with the entire Stephen King thing, the theme this whole time, and it's great, and even permeated <laughs> into a recommendation. But you know what? This is how much Corey and I love this author, and and you know what? Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do a two for two because since we looked at your favorite author this uh tonight yes um saturday and yeah i know i'm dropping this on you but but i know you'll be fine with this yes uh saturday we are going to do um a special on one of my favorite authors frank herbert i'm totally for that in fact yeah. i know a lot about frank herbert yeah i'm just gonna throw this out here because if you have never read Frank Herbert anything, not only do you have to slap yourself, yeah, you've got to take your life savings <laughs> and go and buy and every single uh, original Dune book, exactly. all six of the originals. And you have to start with the very first one because if you yeah. don't, you're going to be lost as balls because this is an actual story. This is one that you actually do have to read in order. Because if you don't, you're just going to be like, I don't fucking know what I just read. Well, and in fact, it's a thinker's <laughs> book as well. So I'll, I'll at least, uh, before we end this, I'll at least tell people, uh, I, I will warn you, it's a thinker's book. So if you hate thinking, you probably might not want to read this book. Exactly. So look forward to that this Saturday. Frank it, Herbert. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really, really glad that we're doing Frank Herbert because yeah. not only was he such an intellectual writer yes. as far as the sci-fi community was concerned. Yes. Watching some of the interviews and just how he talked, mm -hmm. it was like, dude, he was like Ivy League level. Well, he, him and Stephen yeah. King both had something in common. They were both college professors. Exactly. And the funny thing is, when you watch Stephen King yeah. um, announce a graduation ceremony for the college yeah. that he mm -hmm. um, graduated from, yeah. that never swears, Yeah, he's very intellectual, and you can tell that he's wanting these next generations to succeed. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so look forward to that. You know, it's been really awesome talking to you about Stephen King. Oh, it's and, been amazing. Uh, and, and it'll be just as awesome when we talk Frank Herbert this Saturday. Exactly. So all of you have a fantastic night. Jared, mm. as mm. always, it's been a freaking pleasure to have you on the podcast. Always you're, great. You're an amazing friend, and you've got the wealth and knowledge that the Britannica could blink <laughs> their eyes at. Well, thank you. Freaking ignorant bastards. 
Anyway. <laughs> anyway, well, it was about a good time to wrap it up. Uh, hey, you know what? It's been great talking with all of you. <laughs> and have a fantastic night. We'll see you on Saturday. Hey, be good to each other. Exactly. Give each other a hug. Pat each other on the back. Maybe rub each other if you're <laughs> into that kind of weird shit. <laughs> have a good night. <laughs>